Well, what is happening, everybody? Welcome into the Overreaction Sports Podcast. It is an Overreaction Friday. And by overreaction, what I'm talking about is just the things that we're over, the things I'm done worrying about, the things that I'm done fretting about, the things that I'm basically sick and tired of hearing about. Uh, so welcome in. My name is Joe Miller. And if you are looking to find me on Twitter, you can at Joe Miller Wired. Uh, that handle again is at Joe Miller Wired. So it is Friday and I'm excited. We uh, are, are coming off of Bill's bye week. Which for me was it was eventful. Um, it was it was an interesting week of football. Um, as much as it's uh, not always fun to to be in a situation where our Buffalo Bills are not playing football, uh, we learned a lot. I think about the NFL and the NFL is an interesting thing because what happens a lot of times early in the season, and we see this often. Uh, is some teams jump out fast, some teams start slow. Um, and then as we get into that, like week three, week four, week five, week six specifically, which is where we were last week, because this is week seven, uh, we begin to learn some things that uh, some teams are not maybe who we thought they were. Uh, some teams are better than we thought they were. And I think that that's starting to play out. And then we've ob- you know obviously had a rash of... Uh, of, of injuries in the NFL, quarterback injuries specifically. And we had another one last night, and I will get to that here in a second, just in case you have been living under a rock. Uh, but I do want to get to what it is that I'm done reacting to, um, the things that I'm over. Uh, and and f- the first thing I want to talk about is trading for a wide receiver. Um, and we talked a little bit about that on the show uh, in previous um, episodes. Um I'm not so sure that some of these rumors that we're hearing are completely true. So we obviously know about Stefan Diggs. We know about AJ green and there's rumors that AJ green now is um, delaying his injury or very similar to uh, what Jalen Ramsey was doing. There's, there's rumors out there that he's potentially um, holding on to his injury a little bit longer so that he doesn't have to, uh, play because he's trying to force them into one of two moves. What the, the first move would be getting him a new contract. Um, he's looking for obviously more money and he deserves it. He's worth it. Um, or he's trying to force them into trading him. Um, I don't know what the truth is. I don't know. And then Stefan Diggs is Stefan Diggs. And then obviously there was that, sh- that quick splash with Keenan Allen where he was clearly not happy uh, this week on Monday. Um, but that seems to have solved itself as I think he put out a tweet, something to the effect of saying, I love my guys or I love my team or I love my family or something like that. So, but I'm not so sure that the rumors are true as it pertains to guys being out there, um, and being available. And on top of that, I don't know that we need it. And I don't know, I don't know that we need it. Not because I'm not saying as I, so, so if we back up, so, and some of you are going to be like, well, wait a second, Joe, you, you said, you know, on one of your last episodes, you know, that Josh Allen could benefit. And I and I still believe that. I still believe that Josh Allen could very much benefit from a number one, not to mention the fact that I think for me, um, I would like to see Josh Allen with a true number one, just to see what that does for him uh, as it pertains to uh, just the, the way that he reacts, the way that he responds, the way that he sees the game. Um, he's very good at spreading the ball around. Um, but he, you know, and as good as John Brown has been and Cole Beasley has been, um, he does, you know, they're not, they're not what we would call true number one wide receivers that are going to take double coverage, shade, double, double coverage. Yes. John Brown has been receiving double coverage. Um, but to this point, you know, we haven't, I would like to see Josh Allen with the true number one wide receiver. 
I don't want to bet the farm or leverage the future on with a, with a number one wide receiver until I am 150% sure that Josh is the guy. Now, I where am I at currently? We've talked about this. I'm probably 98% sure that Josh is the guy. And I'm the guy that's telling you that I don't care if he throws interceptions. I don't care if he makes mistakes. He's got a defense that 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 can hold him up, that can you know, provide him with an opportunity to learn and provide him with that opportunity to make mistakes. So for me, I want to see Josh Allen go out there and chuck the ball all over the place and make mistakes because I think he'll learn from them, which is a lot of what we say, and I hate to use this name. We saw that with Brett Favre, and we saw that with some of these. Jim Kelly did the same thing. Jim Kelly went to the Houston Gamblers uh, the first couple years that he was a professional when he wouldn't come to Buffalo and threw the ball all over the place. And that's where Jim Kelly refined his game and learned to be a professional NFL quarterback. And that's why he was who he was when he got here. Uh, so I, I, I'm not sure that we need a number one wide receiver, even though I think Josh could benefit from us having a number one wide receiver. Here's the thing. This is why it's, I don't think it's critical. This is why I don't necessarily need to talk about it. Would it be nice? Yes. If it's the right person, absolutely. For me, I've told you already, I'm on the A.J. Green uh, train for several reasons. I've already mentioned one, one being the amount of money that it's going to cost to get him. Um, He's going to come at significantly less money than Stephon Diggs or Keenan Allen or anybody else like that. But uh, I think there's some opportunity here as it pertains to uh, just number one wide receiver situations need, don't need, and I want to focus on the don't need. So John Brown has been a great player for us. We know that Cole Beasley has been fantastic. We know that. I think there's still opportunity, and I think that there's still ceiling for Cole Beasley. I think Cole Beasley has not met yet, not yet met his potential and what it is that he was hoping to get by coming to the Buffalo Bills. I don't think that we're there yet. So I think that there's opportunity there. I also, and I'm on the Duke Williams train, I told you that. I think that there's some early signs that Duke Williams is going to create matchup issues for defenses. So now what we're doing is we're going from having one dominant dude, right? So the Antonio Brown, uh, the 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 Nuke. Uh, I'm trying to think of some dominant wide receivers that that take up all of the attention for some of these teams. We're going from having one dominant dude um, to having Multiple threats all over the field. Multiple matchup nightmares all over the field. Devin Singletary should be back this week, which we know Devin is a receiving threat out of the backfield, as is Frank Gore somewhat. So I think that Duke Williams can not, he's not going to fill that role of a number one wide receiver at this point. We don't know. The bat, you know we, the jury is out. Uh, he made some incredible contested catches in the preseason. I think that he had to go and learn the rest of the playbook before the, the staff was ready to put him in on, on a consistent basis, which he has done. And then we got some positive statistics, uh, statistics from him this past weekend, or I should say two weeks ago. So I think Duke Williams provides us with another opportunity that's not named Zay Jones, um, that just opens the door for another uh, mismatch as it pertains to trying to defend him. So early signs of Duke Williams and what we've seen so far. Now, that it could pan out to be nothing, and it could be a mistake. It could be like, yeah, that was widely overreacted to what Duke Williams actually is versus what we thought he could be. Uh, but right now, I think Duke Williams provides us with an opportunity, um, not to mention the game that John Brown is playing 
he looks like a number one wide receiver. Um, I'm just not convinced yet that he is. And I'm probably there with Duke as well. The other reason I don't know that we need to trade for a wide receiver right now is um, I think we I think we're still in this mode of trusting the process. I think that there is a plan in place that we all know about. We don't know what the plan exactly is, but there's a plan in place and there's a process. We've heard about it. We've joked about it. We've made fun of it. It's been good at times. It's been bad at times. Oh, the process. Oh, here we go with the process. If anybody says one more thing about the process, I'm going to scream. And then it's like, yeah, baby, trust the process. The process is working. And I think that we're legitimately still inside the process window. Now, here's the thing. I don't want Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott to get what I would say is glossy-eyed and excited for the book that's being written currently in 2019 as it pertains to the NFL and where teams are at. And what I mean by that is I don't want them to I don't want them to get excited for what they see in the landscape and think, "Oh my gosh, this is the year." And then make a knee-jerk reaction and go get somebody that they didn't need to go get. I, I I think I'm on the side of I would rather stick with the process at this point, which means that if we go to the playoffs this year, which I think we will, outside of a tremendous collapse, if we stick with the process this year, or I'm sorry, if we go to the playoffs this year and we don't have that number one wide receiver and we fall short, I think I'm okay with that. And I think I'm okay with that because I want the guy that they bring in to be the guy that they want to bring in, <clears throat> if that makes sense. I don't want to force the issue, I guess is what I'm trying to tell you. I don't want to be in a situation where we force the issue and we've made things marginally worse or potentially you know, uh, slowed the, the, the process because we brought in the wrong person. So I don't want them to get glossy-eyed and make a bad, unnecessary trade. The only reason at this point for me, and I tweeted about this a couple weeks ago, the only reason that I would at this point make a trade for a, for a number one wide receiver, the only reason is in defense of the Patriots. Well, what does that mean? That means if, if it's out there, if the Buffalo Bills field a call, and this puts us, this puts us in a vulnerable state because we could be taken advantage of, if it's out there that the Patriots are trying to make a move for Stephon Diggs or A.J. Green or any number of other wide receivers, I think the Bills should jump all over it. And I think they should go after whoever it is that the Patriots are trying to go after in defense to keep the Patriots from getting a guy that could bring that offense to life. Or I think they should you know, do the, the Dave Hester Storage Wars yup thing and make the price so astronomically high for whoever this wide receiver is that it stings a lot for Bill Belichick to pick up a wide receiver. So the only reason I think the Bills should go after a wide receiver at this point in trade is to to defend themselves from the Patriots. And I know that sounds strange, but it happens. I mean, that's that's what bidding wars do. Hey, you know, we're looking at sending this guy to this team. Do you want in on this, or do you want us to just send it to him? Or send him to him. So that's, for me, the only reason. So that's the first thing that I'm pretty much done reacting to is just trade scenarios for wide receivers. I'm just not there. 
I think I'm over it, right? I, th- I think I'm ready to trust the process. We're four and one. We're in the catbird seat. We're looking at a situation with the Dolphins coming in, and we'll talk about the the, the preview here in a minute. Um, a, a very vulnerable Eagles team next week, and then after that, the, the Redskins coming in all at home. And uh, I think I saw or I heard last night uh, that uh, the Bills right now are a favorite over the Eagles at home, and I don't think any of us expected that at all coming into the season. So, yeah, so that's the first thing that I'm done reacting to. The second thing that I am done reacting to, and I'm sorry because he's a nice player, is Tyler Croft. Um, and I'm going to hit this quick. You know, Tyler Croft, uh, nice player, uh, was in the, the shadow of Tyler Eifert in Cincinnati. And, you know, he seems to be getting ready to play. Obviously, the reports uh, in practice this week was that he was a full participant. You know, there was the video of him doing the, the circle cone thing, the circle cone drill. Um his best statistical year <clears throat> was 2017. Um, and it wasn't great. It's not like he had, you know, cr- tremendous numbers. And then he lost most of his 2018 season to in- injury, that ankle issue, their foot. Um, I think I'm just happy. I think I'm just happy with where we are with Dawson Knox and Sweeney and Lee Smith. Now, I'm not saying that we couldn't use Tyler Croft. I think Tyler Croft is a, has blocking capabilities, but so does Sweeney and Croft. Or, sorry, Sweeney and Knox, as well as Lee Smith. Lee Smith is a road grader at tight end. So if he comes in and he makes an impact, it'll be great. But I just, for me, it's a non-issue. It's a non-person. If he, if he can play this week, throw him in, see what he does. It's the Dolphins. You know, if it's like lights out and holy crap, and I'm coming back on Sunday, and I'm overreacting to the fact that Tyler Croft had an amazing game, then that's awesome. But if he ends up on the inactive list, so what? I don't even care. So I think that's just kind of where I am with, with you know, with, with with Tyler Croft. If he plays great, if he doesn't, great. It's just, it is what it is. I'm more interested. I'm more invested at this point in what we have in Dawson Knox, <clears throat> I think, than anything else as it pertains to that tight end position. And I think we're all there too, right? So, so that is what I am currently... Or I should say, those are two things that I'm currently kind of done reacting to. The last one would be Ed Oliver, and this came in from Rick uh, to me on Twitter. And Rick is our resident Colts fan who I believe lives in Rochester. Rick and I talk a lot about the Buffalo Bills and just football in general. Um, And there's a lot of people that are concerned. There's some fringe people that are concerned about the fact that Ed Oliver hasn't had a sack yet. And I'm with Rick on this. I'm done. I'm done talking about it. I'm, I'm done hearing about it. I don't really need. I don't need for it to be an issue for me. Um, He's a rookie, you know, and rookies take time especially defensive line rookies. There's not many defensive line D, you know, DT rookies that come in and like take over the, take, take over the game. It's very few and far between. And I, I know that like, well, he was, you know, slated to be just like Aaron Donald where, he, well, he's not Aaron Donald. So let's just stop talking about that right there. But he's in a defense where he's surrounded by guys who give him, you know, a wonderful opportunity to learn and grow. So why don't we just give him the time that he needs to, Learn and grow. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, and let's not forget his role. He plays in a defense where almost every player, and particularly the people that are on that defensive line, are very much role players. Everybody has a, a job to do and a role to play. And at this point, I would say that we don't necessarily know what the role is that he was, he has been given by his coaching staff. So let's just cooler jets a little bit on Ed Oliver. So I'm over that too. So those are the three things uh, on this overreaction Friday that I'm done reacting to. And now what I would love to do is get into 
a little bit of a preview for this Buffalo Bills and Miami Dolphins football game on Sunday. You know, I am one who I grew up, you know, so I'm 46 years old and I don't know if it's appropriate or not to tell people how old I am because I'm old. Um, But I'm one who grew up in the, you know, the Jim Kelly, Dan Marino uh, days of, uh, you know, fighting and arguing. And it's always weird for me when I hear that, like, the Dolphins biggest rival is the Jets because that predates me. So my biggest rival has always been the Dolphins. So I'm I'm a big fan of Squish the Fish Week. Um, I love it when we pound the Dolphins into the earth. I love it when the Dolphins are bad. Uh, I just love anything that has to do with Dolphins hate, Dolphins failure, Dolphins whatever you want to call it. Anytime they look bad, play bad, have an unfortunate mistake, it's just it's just magic to me. Um, I probably still hate the Dolphins more than I hate the Patriots because my hate for the Patriots is kind of relegated down to one person, Tom Brady. <laughs> I, I hate Tom Brady, but at the same time, I'm getting to that point where I respect him enough uh, that I don't hate him as much. Whereas I, I loathed Dan, Dan Marino when I was a kid. I could not like I, at one point I lived in Florida. I spent my high school years in Florida and uh side note, um, this was back before the internet <laughs> and it was back before you could jump on Amazon or, you know, go someplace to pick up, you know, Bill's gear or whatever, or, you know, the cool fancy t-shirts. Um, so I literally made myself a t-shirt that, uh, I took a white t-shirt that I had had and I used my mom's fingernail polish. And, uh, it was, I think it was in the 11th grade and before we were, we were getting ready to play the dolphins in a primetime game. I think it was a Monday night game and I had gone to school on Monday and I made myself a t-shirt and on the front, it had the number 13 in dolphins colors with a big circle around it and a slash. So, you know, we don't, you know, we don't want that no more 13. And on the back, it said, damn Marino sucks. Um, <laughs> so I got in trouble. Um, a little bit. And the, the funny thing is I got in trouble by our gym teacher. So I went to, so where I was in Florida, we were about an hour North of Orlando. Um, but our gym teacher who was also the football coach was offended, quote finger quotes, offended by my t-shirt because he was finger quotes, friends with Dan Marino. So I got in trouble that day. Um, so I'm just not a big fan of the dolphins. So the dolphins coming in the way that they're coming in for me is exciting. So let's talk real quick just about some quick statistics as far as what we're looking at. So Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick was inserted into the into the game last week. Rosen was declared the starter, and then he was benched, and then they put Ryan back in. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick was after the game. It was I'm sorry, Rosen was after the game. There was early rumors that, that he was going to start, and then it came out later in the week that it's, you know, in fact, we're going to get Ryan Fitzpatrick this weekend. So Ryan, Ryan's numbers, Fitzpatrick's numbers this past weekend, uh, after he was inserted into the game, you know, he was on fire. He was 12 of 18, 132 yards. He had a touchdown and 106.7 rating. And he had uh, that moment in the game where he threw his touchdown pass and like he turned into the, uh, the, the, the Ryan Fitzpatrick, the Fitzmagic co- comic book character where like his eyes were real big and I'm sure he was doing that high pitched squeal. Uh, but however, you know, they're the tale of some int- int- interesting statistics. And I don't know how much statistics are going to play into this game. You know, statistics tell part of the story, um, but we never know the whole story until we literally like obviously get into the game itself. Uh, they're rushing defense in 2019. They're allowing 4.7 yards uh, per game. That puts them at 23rd. Uh, they're passing offense. Uh, their completion percentage is 32nd. Uh, their passer rating is 32nd. 
Their yards per attempt, uh, yards per attempt is 31st. They're pretty woeful. Uh, their defense is bad. Their offense is bad. But they have, you know, Fitzmagic. And I think that's the big question. You know, who who are we going to get on Sunday? Are we going to get Fitzmagic? Or are we going to get Fitztragic? And ironically, <laughs> those are the same questions we used to ask ourselves when Ryan Fitzpatrick was a Buffalo Bill. Who are we going to get today? Are we going to get Fitzmagic? Or are we going to get Fitztragic? So I'll hit I'll hit uh, Fitz, Fitzpatrick here in a second. Now the Bills defense, uh, conversely coming in, our our, our 2019 defense, um, we're allowing 20 uh, 275 yards per game. That puts us at third in the NFL, and we're averaging uh, points allowed 14, which puts us at fourth in the NFL. Um, our passing defense in 2019 completion percentage is fourth. Uh, passer rating against is third. Uh, and then yards per attempt is second. So our defense is really, really dominant. And kind of to go along with the Dolphins' bad rushing defense, um, we are currently sixth in rushing offense at 139.6 yards per game, which which puts puts us at sixth. Sixth, and that's without Devin Singletary. So we obviously haven't had Devin Singletary for like the last three games. So we could actually tick up on that. So the question is going to be, you know, what is going to happen this Sunday? And I'm going to be at the game. Uh, my season tickets are in Section 3, uh, 313, Row 1, seats 18 and 19. If you are around me, I would love to meet you. Um, I'm on the 27-yard line visitor side of the stadium, the sun side of the stadium, and I think it's going to be 60, and the sun is supposed to be shining, which means that while all of you on the shade side of the stadium, the home side, are going to be freezing your little cojones off, uh, we're probably going to be on our side of the stadium in T-shirts. So I'm going to be at the game. I'm really excited to see what happens because I have beliefs and feelings and thoughts that this is going to be a blowout for us. However, I'm a Bills fan. (laughs) And every single time it seems like the statistics line up in our favor, it just it doesn't go the way that it's supposed to go. So this is we, we know that this team is different. We know that this is not the Buffalo Bills uh, team from the drought, the last 20, not 20 years of drought, but the 17 years of drought. The, McDermott, ha- this team is just different. This team plays within itself. It's able to, um, to, to, to rally around each other. Um, if it's down, it doesn't head for the bus. Um, if it gets bad calls, there's no letdowns. So this team is different, and this is a game that we should absolutely be able to put it to our opponent. We should. This is a game we should win. This is a game I believe we will win. We're talking about the two sides of a, of the same coin, or two sides. That was a bad reference. We're talking about two completely different situations. The Buffalo Bills are a team on the move. They're a team that's being built. There's a process in place, a plan that's being followed, and it's being realized. Now, wherever you fall with Josh Allen inside of that plan and that process doesn't matter because they believe, I do too, that he is the guy. And that uh, that he's the one that is going to complete this process for them. He is going to dot the I and cross the T. He is the he is the player that I don't want to say all of this hinges on because the team itself is good, but he is going to be the icing on the top if Josh Allen pans out and is who we think he is. Then you know next year and the year after that, you know the Bills are going to be a, a seasonal annual force to be reckoned with. The Dolphins, on the other hand, I have no idea. You can say that they're tanking but I mean they were selling off players um 
I don't know. They're bad. They're just they're a, they're a bad football team. Um, and even the players that they have that are good for whatever reason aren't playing. So whether it's Kenyon Drake, uh, who is you know getting his time cut by the backup that's there, and his name escapes me. Um, so this is going to be, I don't think it's going to be an interesting game. I think it's going to be interesting for us because it's going to tell us a story about our football team. And it's a story, they're questions that we want answered. So I think this game is going to go a long ways in providing us with the identity or the beginnings of what the identity for this offense is going to be. And I think that we're going to, it's going to start Sunday. I think we're we're going to be able to build on it next week against the Eagles. And I think that come Washington Redskin time, I think there's a very good chance that this offense has the ability or will have taken on itself who it's going to be for the rest of the 2019 season. Uh, Oh, by the way, the trade deadline, I forgot to mention this, is October 29th, so it's around the corner, uh, which kind of all plays into this. So I think that that they're going to stand pat. I don't think they're going to trade. I think they're going to stick with the process. I think that they're going to... Uh, work the deep ball this weekend. I think they're going to work the deep ball next weekend against the Eagles. And I think that that by the end of Sunday, we're going to begin seeing some execution as it pertains to on the offensive side of the ball and this this team takes some steps. So, And if we don't, well, then we're going to have a lot to overreact about on Sunday, aren't we? So hopefully you're here with me and hopefully we're talking positive things um, I believe we will. I, I, I counted this as a, on Monday. I think I came in and I said on the show that, you know, it feels so good to be five and one. Um, it would be the ultimate collapse of collapses for me. You know, as I look at this game, as we come into this week, I don't think there's any way we can lose, which is funny to me because people are beginning to fade and it's been blown up on Twitter and it's funny. Uh, we were we were uber confident against Tom Brady, and we were dead set determined we were going to shut the Patriots down, and we were going to beat Tom Brady. And then as soon as it got announced that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starting quarterback for this Sunday, like everybody got scared. For me, this is a girls' soccer game. So like my my daughters both play soccer, and my daughter's pretty good. Uh, both my daughters are actually pretty good at soccer. My 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 uh, seventh grader plays for the Frontier Middle School. Um, and, but she's played on some really good teams in her, in the past. And for me, this is like when your team is really good in soccer, at least from what I've watched and I'm not a soccer guy, I don't know anything about soccer. I coached one year of soccer because there was nobody else to coach. Um, but like when you're, when, when your team is good and McKenna, my, my oldest has been on a couple really, really good teams. Um, when your team is good and then, you know, you're playing a team that's not good. So it's like, okay, tonight we're playing you know, that team over there and they're not good. So what's going to happen? So we're going to take all of our good offensive players and we're going to make them play defense and we're going to take all of our defensive players. And this is a game that we're going to let them play offense. And what we're going to do is we're going to hope, you know, have some fun with this game because the other team is so bad that they really don't have a chance and we can pretty much just do whatever we want to do. We're going to win. That to me is this football game against the Dolphins. I'm not saying, obviously we're not going to have our defensive players play offense and our offensive players play defense. But I think they could roll off. They could roll into the stadium and they could not play half the team and probably still beat this Dolphins team. This Dolphins team is bad. It's really, really bad. And it's just funny to me that people are feeling a letdown. I don't think there's going to be a letdown. Do I have to consider and do I have to think about what happens if we lose? Obviously. It's. You always have to consider that 
these guys are paid professionals as well. They're not paid as well as other professionals because they're not very good football players. Um, man, I just, I just can't get there. I just can't get to a point where we're seeing that Dolphins team come into New Era Field with our crowd, who is four and one, and punch us in the mouth. I just, I don't, I don't see it. I just don't see it. So, uh, real quick, I just want to give you one last thing as it pertains to the Dolphins and the Bills this weekend, and I just want to give you some players to watch. We all know who Kenyon Drake is, so I don't really need to talk about him. So if, if, if you're not super familiar with the Dolphins, here are some players to watch. Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard is probably their best football player. Uh, he was a second-round pick out of Baylor in 2016. He is a cornerback for them. He's uh, coming off of a knee injury. He actually did not play last week against the Redskins. Um, uh, right now he is slated to play. So keep your eye on Xavier Howard. My guess is he is going to be on John Brown, um, all weekend, possibly shadowing him. Um, I don't, I don't know that that necessarily means that John Brown's stats or that, you know, he's, he's going to be blanket covered. I'm not saying Xavier Howard is like Minka Fitzpatrick, who is no longer, if, if you, if you did not know, uh, the Dolphins, uh, defensive back Minka Fitzpatrick was traded. He's no longer on that football team. So, Xavier uh, Howard is kind of their number one. He is their guy. Um, so keep an eye on that. So keep a lookout for that player. Uh, Nick O'Leary, for those of you that don't know or don't remember, Nick O'Leary is still a Miami Dolphin, former Buffalo Bills tight end, Nick O'Leary. Uh, last year against the Buffalo Bills, he only had one catch for nine yards. Uh, so I don't know that he's a super big threat. Uh, he's averaging about one catch per game. I think that they're using him primarily as a blocker. Uh, they're keeping him in, which isn't helping because their offensive line is horrible. Or horrible. Um, I was going to say horrendous and horrible at the same time. So their their offensive line is horrible. The guy that you want to watch out for uh, as it pertains to their tight end is uh, Jacecki. Um, he's their primary tight end, Mike Jacecki. So keep your eye out for him. Uh, obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know we all know all about Ryan, and the reality is, and this is what's tough, is that we all love Ryan. I don't. There's people out there on Twitter right now that are like, I don't care about Ryan Fitzpatrick and his history. He's a dolphin. I hate him. It's not true. Nobody hates Ryan Fitzpatrick. You can't hate the guy. He's Buffalo. Buffalo sports football. Buffalo sports in general is widely about the underdog. We have the king underdog spirit ever in national sports history or professional sports history. And what I mean by that is we are always rooting for the underdog. Whoever the underdog is, that's our favorite player, Fred Jackson. And I, <laughs> I make fun about this all the time. I wanted to punch people in the face when, when Don, uh, John DiGiorgio was on this football team because there were people that legit thought John DiGiorgio was a Pro Bowl player and that he was getting snubbed and people just couldn't see it. That dude was awful. But those are the types of players that we want. You know, it's it's Stevie Johnson. I love Stevie Johnson. Seventh-round pick, turned into a good player. But we want to see these guys become superstars because Buffalo, we're, we feel like, you know, we get picked on a lot. And we want, you know, we don't, it's weird. It's strange. But I'm just going to leave it at that. That's a, that's a topic for another day. We have the greatest underdog spirit in professional sports history. So even though you tell me you don't love Ryan Fitzpatrick, you do. Because the reality is, is we wanted to take Ryan Fitzpatrick and who loved Buffalo and is a great story and is an awesome guy and has a lot of fun and wears his wedding ring when he plays football and graduated from Harvard. We wanted to win with that guy. We wanted to show the world that we could win with that guy. So don't tell me you don't love him because you do. So Ryan Fitzpatrick is obviously on this team. He's going to play. So the question is, who, who are we getting? 
Are we getting Fitzpatrick? Are we getting Fitz? I'm sorry. Are we getting Fitz Magic? Are we getting Fitz Tragic? Here's the thing. And and I'm going to leave you with this. Ryan Fitzpatrick can hurt you as a gunslinger. Ryan Fitzpatrick can also help you as a gunslinger. So my guess is he's going to come out here probably on top of the world. Um, I think our defense is going to own their offensive line. I think this is probably going to be trouble for Ryan. It wouldn't surprise me if we see Josh Rosen inserted into this football game. Um, I think it's going to go bad for them. But I love Ryan Fitzpatrick, so keep your eye on there. Uh, Also, Kiko Alonso is no longer on this Dolphins football team. He was traded in New Orleans. And the last player to keep your eye on is also on the defense, uh, Christian Wilkins. Christian Wilkins was their 13th overall draft pick this year. He's got 12 tackles on the year. Um, however, uh, as we talked about a little bit ago, Miami is the second worst run defense in the NFL. So he's a, he's a rookie defensive tackle like our Ed Oliver, who uh, isn't having the best year so far. But again, you know, season one is not the best season to rate a, a rookie defensive tackle. So, but keep your eye on him. He can he can make some hay. He's pretty good. So those are your players to watch, uh, and that is your preview. So now, I guess what we should do is probably get into some sort of a prediction and I'm not good for predictions. It seems like my predictions are always wrong. Um, so at this point I should probably predict for the bills to lose. Cause then we know they'll win because my predictions are never even close. Um, I just don't see any way that this Dolphins team is going to beat the bills. Um, so the question is going to be, who are the bills going to be this Sunday? What are we going to try to accomplish? Are we going to come out and play for this week? And do what we need to do as it pertains to strengths and weaknesses to assure us a victory. So if I was the Buffalo Bills staff, I would play solid defense, which that's going to happen because we have one of the best defenses in the NFL. And then if I was going to be reserved and guarantee a victory, I'd run the ball down their throat because they suck against the run. Their defense isn't great, but they suck against the run. And we're good again. We're good at running the ball. Or... Do the Bills coaching staff take this opportunity, which is what I think they should do. I think they should take this opportunity to grow, learn, and continue to push the process, which would be allowing Josh to throw the ball all over the field to begin to create chemistry and an identity. You know, this is our Appalachian State game, right? I mean, it's just coming at week six. For us, week seven, but week six for us. So, um, prediction wise, I'm going to say 30, call it 34, uh, 34 10, Buffalo Bills. I think Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick throws a touchdown. Um, and then I think, I think, I think, I think 34 points at least with the ability to come in probably around 45. So that's my prediction for this football game. Um, uh, I'm here for it. I'll be at the game. I can't wait. I'm already excited. So I hope I'm this excited. I hope I, I, I hope I get the opportunity to come in here on Sunday and overreact about amazing things that happened, whether it's Devin Singletary or Ed Oliver or Josh Allen, you know, having his first 300 yard football game and four touchdown passes, no interceptions. Um, and that we look, you know, the way that we should look against a horrible football team, which is the fish. I'm going to keep saying that they're a horrible football team because it's just fun to say that the Miami Dolphins are a horrible football team. They are. The last thing that I have before uh, have for you today, I just want to hit some quick things around the league, and then I'm going to let you go. 
Uh, again, I've gone over a little bit, and I'm sorry. Um, if you did not see, so again, if you live under a rock, Patrick Mahomes was injured last night. Uh, he hurt his knee uh, on a on a fourth and one quarterback keeper. There, the X-rays were negative. They're awaiting an MRI to find out how severe it's going to be. Um, however, you know, it, it, reports are is that it's not as serious as it could have been. And then the question is, well, what does that mean? Well, obviously, could, could it have been season ending? Sure. Could he miss eight weeks? Sure. Could he miss three weeks? We don't know at this point. Um, he's going to miss some time. The million-dollar question is how much. What that does is it just takes us back to the show that we had on Monday where we talked about the fact that uh, that uh, you know, this, this AFC, this this the league is currently vulnerable. It's wide open. It's wide open for everybody. Um, I still uh, believe right now the Texans, from what I've seen, are the most complete team. Uh, the Colts are a super nice team. You're welcome, Rick. Uh, and then the Patriots, in my opinion, are beatable. So they got a phenomenal defense, but that offense is still in trouble. And we've talked a lot about that. So last thing I got for you is some non-football news of note. If you, again, uh, live under a rock, the Buffalo Sabres are 5-1-1 one, one after a shutout, 3 nothing shutout against the Kings last night. And, man, if you are not watching the Sabres, you should be. Uh, so with that, that's all I've got. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll be back on Sunday. There will be a Sunday show uh, where we will hopefully be overreacting about all fantastic, phenomenal, and great things as it pertains to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Once again, Joe Miller is my name. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. Can't wait for Sunday. Go Bills. 